Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is Danny in Chicago. I heard Justin on the podcast on Monday say that AT&T is not taking a loss for Warner Media, but from what I can tell, it looks like they paid $85 billion to buy Warner Media and they're receiving $43 billion in aggregate. What am I missing? And provides unbiased answers. Because they're still going to maintain a 70% stake of the new entity. Invest Talk, over 31 million downloads and counting. Hi, this is Jenny from Arizona. I have a question regarding support levels. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, May 20th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. I appreciate you all tuning in this hour. I'm excited to dedicate this entire hour to helping you, as usual, take that next step, that incremental step to your own version of financial freedom. And the way that I do that, as always, is our, using our mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. And this is my assurance so to you that no matter what I'm talking about, no matter what I'm addressing, whether it's an individual stock, a sector, an asset class, a broad uh, strategy question, personal finance issues. I'm presenting all of this without bias. I'm just here to give you the facts that I see as I see them in front of me using the charts and data points that obviously we pay for to do our own analysis of, of equities and, and different assets, but also using my 20 plus years of investment experience. And I'm Justin Klein. And of course, we encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions. And you can do that right now. You can interact with us during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific time. Or if you're listening after hours, not a problem, no big deal. You just leave a question on our Invest Talk voice bank. Either way, that number never changes. 888-989-CHART. So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hey, Steve or Justin. This is Danny in Chicago. I heard Justin on the podcast on Monday say that AT&T is not taking a loss for Warner Media, but from what I can tell, it looks like they paid $85 billion to buy Warner Media and they're receiving $43 billion in aggregate. What am I missing that I'm not seeing that they are not selling this at a loss? I would love to hear your answer on the show, and I do love the show. Thank you very much. Uh, it's because they're still going to maintain a 70% stake of the new entity. Remember, Transactions are always about multiple aspects, and this is very common in these uh, big complex transactions. There's uh, movement of equity, there's movement of debt, there's movement of cash, ownership, etc. All of this can be quite complex, uh, and they did it in a way to avoid taxes. And so, um, was it a great home run transaction for Time Warner? Uh, back in 2000, I guess they, I think they announced in 16, closed in 18. Uh, was that a home run? No, it was not. Uh, will they come out ahead in the future? Possibly. They're still that's still up in the air. Okay. Um, so overall, 
uh, it was based on the current situation that they were in. I think this is a smart move. Remember, this is a new CEO. This is not the same CEO that made that transaction. This is a CEO that's free focusing on their core business, which is being a telecommunications company, focusing on 5G and uh, and broadband and, and fiber, etc. And I think that's a, a smart move, and the synergies, I think, are going to be very good once uh, they do spin it off. So uh, I know it can be complex, but uh, I think overall this is a good deal, and you see that. It's, this is a good example of, usually takes the market about three trading days to fully digest big news, whether it's an earnings report or a big news event like this on AT&T, and they, that's what you're seeing now today. You saw it bounce uh, pretty nicely today. Up, let's see, where is it up? Up 68 cents, uh, a little over 2%. So a nice solid day for AT&T. Bounced off support. Still making higher highs, higher lows. Still like it. Now my focus point today is based on this story. What's driving cryptocurrencies rise and the challenges ahead? We know that this is, this has been a pretty wild year so far. Uh, overall, uh, especially when it comes to the crypto space. And there's a new recent announcement as well about the Fed coming out with a white paper on the Fed or the U.S. government coming out with their own type of cryptocurrency. And so this is going to be a very interesting time to see how this evolves. Uh, some, In some ways, it might be very negative for the space. Other ways, longer term, maybe more positive. So I'll break that down. I also want to touch on the rotation in the market, and I have some data points for you based on near term, what's happened year to day, what's happened since the recent peak, and then going back a few years as well, how much has the rotation changed the longer term performance picture of the various areas of the market. So that's what we're going to discuss today. Now let's check in on the market. We had the S&P that was up 43 points, about 1% there. You had the NASDAQ, that was up 236 points, about one and two-thirds percent or so. So it was a very, very solid up day, uh, bouncing off of support. Growth of the past couple days is actually outperformed value. So kind of bucking the recent trend, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that interest rates are backing up just a bit, especially today, down to almost five basis points on the 10-year. and But still kind of in that 1.6, 1.7 range on the 10-year, trying to figure out that next move. Are there is going to be that next leg to maybe 2% of the 10-year, or are we going to pull back maybe into the low ones, and that could give new life to maybe the growth sector. Uh, but right now, it's just kind of consolidation phase, uh, but in an uptrend. And so interest rates are likely to head higher. The dollar was down once again, had a little bounce yesterday, and gave it all up today. It's really interesting. I think at some point there's going to be a precipitous drop in the dollar. Maybe not this year, maybe not next year, but if you continue with this policy of just monetizing all the debt and allowing governments to just spend whenever they want, uh, you're you're going to see a continued downtrend, and and right now it's been orderly somewhat, because uh, if you look at a longer term picture, you know we're not that much uh, off where we were in 2018, 19. Okay, so it's not a huge breakdown yet, but you can see that any 
bounce in the dollar just gets pushed right back down. And guess what? That's actually bullish for the markets. Remember, the dollar, or the, the, the assets in the markets are denominated in dollars. You look at Apple stock and you say, how much is it worth in dollars per share? All of the companies you own, right? So a weaker dollar actually inflates the value of the equities. Equities are inflation hedge. And if you know that, nobody talks about it much. Talk about commodities, gold, etc. But equities are also an inflation hedge. Now we're headed into a quick break. Only one minute, so hang on. Next up, we have a live in-show caller from San Francisco. The phone lines are open for you right now at 888-99-CHART. The market is constantly changing, and you've got to be ready to react. You'll have questions. Steve and Justin have answers. So listen live or download the free Invest Talk podcasts. The Invest Talk Anytime listener line never closes. 888 99Chart. Let's head up to San Francisco and talk with our good friend Emilios. He's looking at BHP. Do you own it, Emilios? Are you looking to buy it? Uh, hey, Justin, thank you for the comment. Uh, I appreciate it. I'm looking at half position, small position. I'm looking to see if I should add to it now, given the fact that Steve was talking about what he thinks will happen to copper and what you said mentioned earlier about interest rates. Perhaps, I don't know if we, uh, I should wait. I don't know if well, I like the company fundamentally. Yeah, I mean, BHP is definitely a great company to have exposure to if you're bullish on commodities in general because it's broadly diversified. It produces iron ore, copper, oil, gas, metallurgic, coal. And so this is a, a good company to just make a bet on higher input costs, higher commodity costs in general. Now, I would say it's had a nice run. I think a lot of the the commodity names have had a nice run and probably need some consolidation here, and that's what you're seeing with this recent pullback from 81 and change. Now we're at 70, what are we close to? 74, spot 10. And you are into some support, but I'm actually, I would look at this closer to about 68.50 or so. I think that's an area that gets me a little more uh, excited about this name. Um, but... It also depends on your on your time horizon as well. Um, so I like BHP. I would be adding to it on dips, but a lot of it would depend on my overall exposure to the commodity space. But uh, it's definitely one of the better ones that you can own. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Daniel in, Daniel in Pueblo, Colorado, looking at KR, which is Kroger. Hey, Justin. Hey. Yeah, um, I've been watching Kroger. It seems like it's going down lately. I know it pays a, a small dividend, but I wanted to get your uh, your, your uh, opinion on it. Uh, we like Kroger. Kroger, we we have owned it in the recent past. We do not own it anymore. We like some of the other grocers uh, a bit better that have some some growth potential, but it's. It's still a very good company. I, 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 we, like I said, we bought it, we owned it. Uh, it just was more of an allocation decision than oh, we don't like the name. 
but it it's probably about fairly valued here. It's definitely not cheap, um, but it's it's a company that uh, I'd be a good long-term hold because you're going to get that nice uh, solid dividend, two percent. Not exciting, but uh, steady, and their cash flows are very strong. Even if uh, their demand might moderate some this year compared to last year, more people going out and not necessarily having to, to shop at home. Uh, so uh, it's definitely a good company to own over the long term, but don't expect huge returns, just solid and steady. Thanks for the call, Daniel. Now my focus point today is based on the story. What's driving cryptocurrencies rise? So let's dig into this a little bit. and. The market recently has rolled over, and I've said this for the few weeks now that I'm, I, I was using the word cautious, and when I say that, I kind of mean bearish on crypto, uh, and I still am till for the next probably six weeks or so. I think it'll probably head down, or at least uh, Bitcoin will be headed down to 20,000 and change, uh, maybe close to that breakout area from uh, 2018, around 20,000. So that's, that's my expectation, but that's neither here nor there. That, that's a short-term outlook. And if you're investing in this space and not speculating, you're looking long-term. Unfortunately, most people or most Bitcoin owners or crypto owners right now, they're just in it for speculation. They want to make a quick buck. They see the eye-popping returns, and that's what they're going after. They're chasing returns. That's what it is. What you, you, it's hard to argue otherwise. Why? Because there's not really a use case. It used to be that, oh, they talked about the fact that you were going to transact in Bitcoin. Well, the fees, the high fees, make that nearly impossible in today's world. Only large Bitcoin transactions really are, are worthwhile. And even those have kind of slowed down some. Professional money managers are, uh, the demand, excuse me, for those large transactions by professional money managers have slipped in the first quarter from the fourth quarter of last year. And flows into crypto exchanges have declined from the peak in January. So that's, there's been a slowdown in that institutional adoption. And you have to really look at where we are today of the crypto as a whole. The whole idea is that you're not creating this new supply. Well, there's new supply coming on all the time with new coins, etc. Dogecoin is an example where there's new do Dogecoins being being printed every every minute. Uh, so that's the issue. And the whole space is now worth two trillion dollars. That's up from 260 billion last year. And so the obstacles ahead are really about transaction fees and whether they can bring those down. And the fees have skyrocketed as crypto or Bitcoin's risen in popularity. And then the next will be the green side. And you can argue that uh, worry is overblown, but it's a threat to the space as a whole. Now, this is Invest Talk. Steve and I thank you for listening. And after the break, our question and answers will continue. If you want to ask a question, give us a call at 888-99-CHART. When you tell your friends and family members about the free InvestTalk podcast downloads, 
let them know they can choose an episode that covers their topic of interest. For example, browse by episode title for potential questions and answers on 401ks, cryptocurrency, treasury yields, real estate investing, commentary on growth stocks, listener stock picks, and more. Download free anytime at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or investtalk.com. Hey, Steve. I just had a question on what I should do to start investing as a 16-year-old. Thanks. Well, the first thing is saving and creating savings habit. Most people miss that step. And, and the main reason is because it's not that exciting. Spending less than you earn is not exciting. Making money is exciting, so people focus more on the investment side. So creating that savings habit is number one. Number two is to open up a brokerage account, uh, maybe even a Roth IRA or a, a regular IRA, probably a Roth, uh, especially if you have earned income, you're gonna need some earned income, you need a job of some type that you're reporting to the government in order to make that contribution. So I would encourage a Roth IRA. And then Steve and I differ a little bit on new investors and what they should do. He says you get the broad diversification with a, a mutual fund or an ETF, and, and to some, I agree with that a little bit. But I think the best way to learn and get good at this and to have be financially savvy is to actually do the investing yourself. Buying a mutual fund and ETF, that's not really investing. That's someone else is picking the mix of assets for you. You're just picking a fund, a vehicle. And so to me, I would, I would encourage young people to buy into individual equities of companies that they know. And guess what? You're going to make some mistakes. You're going to probably buy some ones that are overhyped and overpriced, and you may even lose some money. But when you're young and you don't have a lot, that's going to be great a great learning experience for you. So don't worry about some losses. Focus on understanding companies, understand what drives companies higher, what drives potentially companies lower. And you're going to learn a lot more by buying individual names and, and try to spread it out into as many industries as you can as well. So you start to learn about the different industries. Too many people get enamored with tech because that's more exciting and more interesting than a utility company or an industrial company. Sorry, but those also are great businesses in their own right, have their, their uses and pros and cons. So get familiar with all the industries, all the sectors, and really dig deep and learn. Focus on learn, learning and reading as much as possible. Now let's keep things moving and go back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank. This time a question from a listener in Nevada. Uh, hey there, I'm Dan from Nevada. I have an old retirement account from uh, about 10 years ago for a company called Eastman Chemical, stock symbol EM maybe, Eastman Chemical. Used to be part of Eastman Kodak. I worked for them for a couple of years and they are kind of in a substantial part of my portfolio because I never rolled it over into an IRA. And recently they've come up a good bit and I'm wondering if I should let it ride a little farther, a little higher, or if I should reevaluate, roll it over to IRA, and get into some other investments. Thank you. Bye. 
Well, I definitely would roll it over into an IRA either way, whether you're keeping it or not. And Eastman has run up a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot. It, it's low in March of last year was, let's see, about $36 and change. Now we're at $122.80. And frankly, starting to roll over a bit here. So I actually think this is a good time to be taking money off the table, selling it down to at most probably 5% of your overall liquid assets. So I'm not sure what percentage that is, but it sounds like it's a lot. So just as a good risk strategy, you should be cutting this back dramatically anyway. And hey, like I said, it's a good time right now to be cutting it back. Our value is closer to $100 a share, and now it's at $122. So it's a, it's a bit overvalued, not dra dramatically, but a bit overvalued. So I would definitely cut it back and roll that into an IRA. It opens you up in, uh, into a lot more opportunities, a lot more different type of investment opportunities than just the individual one stock like Eastman or the mutual funds that you have available as well. Now let's touch on this rotation in the markets and that's really the big story. Uh, headlines are jobs and inflation data but if you listen to this show and you've probably seen it in your portfolios as well, the bigger story is that the stock market has had a major rotation over the past six months or so. And investors are shifting out of those expensive growth names and into areas that are not nearly as richly valued, call them value stocks. Now, energy is the top performing sector, returning more than 10% since the market peaked in April, late April. If you're looking at kind of the broader market, you saw a bit of a peak a few weeks ago. Basic materials, financial services also saw positive returns over that time, while technology was down nearly 9% since that recent peak. Now, it's had a, this, is, this article with this uh, information was written about a week ago, so you've had a bit of a bounce on the growth side, but still, you're getting that rotation. After the break, I'm going to dig into that a little bit more, give you a broader context of what that means uh, over the long term. Now, I've got to take a break, but I will continue this analysis, so give me a call at 888 chart Your typical workday can be very busy. Assignments, appointments, responsibilities, obligations. Sometimes you start early and end late. For that reason alone, you may already be looking to the future, to a period when your money, your accumulated assets are working for you and ultimately creating financial freedom. There are many voices suggesting financial planning services, but there's one company, one firm, that offers a balanced variety of strategically designed investment plans. One firm that applies decades of experience to enable a client personalized collaboration. One firm that can show you how to optimize an investment portfolio that fits your lifestyle objectives and risk tolerance limitations. One firm that speaks with a clear, logical, and unbiased voice. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial or visit kppfinancial.com. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? 
Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. We're already moving through the second quarter, and serious investors need to bring their best game. InvestTalk is here to help. 888-99-CHART. Now, before the break, I was touching on the recent market rotation and saying that since the market peaked, you look at VTI, for example, that peaked on April 26th. And since that point, technology down nearly 9%, while Energy, basic materials, financial services, all up. I know it's a short period of time, but still you're seeing that rotation. And it's not just sector specific, but areas of the market. Now, since that peak, large cap growth down 8%, mid cap growth down 9.5%, small cap growth down 11%. 
whereas large cap value and mid cap were up just shy of 1% over that time. Now this outperformance of value overgrowth has really, really actually began in earnest in the fourth quarter of last year. As investors became a lot more optimistic about uh, reopening and uh, the vaccine rollout, uh, etc. Now, if you look longer term, however, growth still trumps value over the last three years. Year to date, large cap growth is down 1%, but last three years, going back three years, you're talking about 19.7% up. Since the year to date, large cap value is up 13%. Over the last three years, only up 10.5%. Now what you're going to say is, well, that means I should be invested in growth. This is just a, a small blip. I think three years is a long period of time. Uh -uh. If you look at these trends, they last many, many years. And so this is likely the first phase of this transition. Now, if you break down different sectors, that's interesting as well. Over the last three years, energy is down 7.7%. But it's up 40% year to date. Technology, up 24.4% over the last three years. It's actually down slightly on the year. So these are the rotations you're seeing in the market. And this is the first inning. And what that tells you, and that's what it tells me, is that there's still a lot of catching up to do for the value side of the market companies that pr actually produce earnings and cash flows today as opposed to the dream and the hope of them producing those in the future. And that's really the difference. And that's why a weaker dollar, higher interest rates, higher inflation, that puts pressure on those growth stocks and favors the value. Now, if you are a regular listener, you know that we answer all kinds of finance and investment questions here on Invest Talk whether it's about individual stocks, market dynamics, definitions. Let's play a fresh question now. You'll hear what I mean. Hi, this is Jenny from Arizona. I have a question regarding support levels. I hear you guys speak a lot about the next support level for a stock or the support level even coming after that. And I'm wondering how you determine what these support levels are. Looking forward to hearing the answer in your show. Thank you. Bye. Now this is basically a question about charts, and charts are always chart explanations are always best done using visuals, and that's difficult on this show. Uh, but I'll use three examples of what typically will create some sort of support. The first are moving averages, and this is common in a particular trend. Uh, we've been in uptrend since March of last year, and what particular moving averages over the recent trend? Uh, the stock or index tends to find support at. Now since November, for example, the S&P has consistently found support at the 50-day moving average, which is not atypical. 50 days, a common moving average for that support, but some stocks, they may be more volatile, that's the 100-day moving average, okay? So moving averages are one form of support. Another will be previous breakout areas. That is one that's under discussed, I think. Most people talk about moving averages or Fibonacci lines, which I'll get to next. But what that means is when there was a major peak over the recent past, uh, and I say recent, the last few years, that can be recent in my mind. And 
the price goes up to it and then breaks out above that level and maybe stays above the level for an extended period of time and then starts to roll over. Oftentimes, it will revisit that previous peak. You saw that in Bitcoin over the past uh, seven years or so, and that's why I'm kind of calling. I think a, a general idea would be that Bitcoin goes back to that breakout area where, remember in 2000, was it 17? It peaked around 19,000 and change, and then fell to 2,000, I want to say, and change, and then broke out again. Now, having returned trip to that breakout area around 19, 20,000 level would not be uncommon. This is very common for those type of uh, moves to happen. Okay. And then lastly are the Fibonacci lines. This is more to do with the, 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 the ebbs and flows of sentiment and the human nature around uh, stocks. And uh, that is way more complex. I definitely need to give you visuals with that, but you can look up Fibonacci lines and stock trading. And those oftentimes are very good support levels as well. And the best ones are when you combine kind of all three which is rare, but two is not uncommon. Now let's go to Sid in Canada. He's looking at A-P-P-E-F. Uh, I'm assuming this is a cannabis name. Can you hear me well? Yes, I can. Yeah, I have a question about uh, FN. Okay. Um, it's in the artificial intelligence, and they are oh, trying some innovative stuff, so... I thought this is a good area to be in, and uh, though they don't have a huge revenue year-on-year year or the margins year-on-year, year, but I'd like to hear your opinion. What do you think? When is the right time to get into this stock for a long term? All right. Appen, right? They are in the machine learning artificial intelligence space, and it's been in a consistent downtrend. For the past, let's see, is this? I'm just trying to look at this chart here. Uh, it looks like it's an OTC stock, so fairly, fairly illiquid. Uh, where is it traded? Is this on the OTC? Just trying to look this up here. Um, I don't have a lot of information on it. That's my biggest issue. It's fallen from 25 and change just in the fall of last year. Now we're at nine dollars. So technically. It's in a consistent downtrend, so that worries me uh, most of all. When you look at the fundamentals, they uh, are growing its revenue. Uh, it's profitable, $66 million in free cash flow, trailing 12 months. I like that. Um, profitability looks fine. I don't know much about their technology. Uh, my biggest issue would be that, that downtrend, uh, and it's, uh, it's really not letting up. And so... Let me take a look at yeah, it's just it's not very liquid either. Where did you find this name? Sid, I guess Sid's gone. Yeah, this is a name that barely, barely trades. Yesterday it traded where's the volume here? Five hundred shares? So it's very liquid. And a nine dollar stock. Not a name that I would either. Fundamentals look fine, um, but the fact that it's OTC, very, very low liquidity. Uh, if you're going to buy it, it has to be a very small percentage of your portfolio because it's going to be tough to, to sell. Thanks for the call. Now, 2021 is almost half over. Can you believe that? We're getting into close to the month of June, and we're more than halfway through the second quarter, and 
we talked about the rotation in the market. We talked about how this is the early innings of a different regime. This is not the 2020, the, the 2010s. This is the 2020s. And the 2020s are going to be marked by uh, a different flavor of investment world. Not disinflation, but inflation. Not lower interest rates with financial repression, but higher interest rates. At least that's, that will be the pressure. Whether governments and central banks allow that is another story, but that will manifest in a lower dollar and, once again, higher inflation. And so you need to be prepared. And so if you ever need help kind of deciphering where you're at, if your strategy makes sense, let us know. We encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve at our company, KPP Financial, where we operate the philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. Once again, I'm not Kramer. I'm not pounding uh, bells and whistles. I'm investing right alongside our clients, which we call parallel investing. We have various investment strategies that we implement not only for our clients, but ourselves. And the way we do that is we run a portfolio review assessment via telephone, Skype, or GoToMeeting. And it's completely complimentary. So we just want to help in any way we can. You can send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. Once again, no obligation. We just, we just are there to help you and be a resource for you. Next up, we'll take a live question about AT&T's dividends. That's next one. Next up in one minute. There is good news for loyal InvestTalk listeners, their friends, and families. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. Been listening for a while and have got some great advice. This free podcast is available for download anytime. Typically, each day and night, the InvestTalk call center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. Hi, guys. Big fan of the show. So in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. I think for like the next 10 years, commodities are going to be doing very well. It's in the money. You probably just want to sell it. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. Absolutely love your show. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Let's head up to San Rafael and talk with Bill. He's asking about AT&T's dividend. Uh, yeah, Justin, thanks for taking my call. Uh, Long-time long holder of AT&T stock, mainly just for the dividend. Just having a little trouble understanding the whole, all the announcements and what happened uh, with, with the talks about cutting the dividend and what should an investor in that firm uh, do at this point? Well, they cut their dividend because they're cutting out a portion of their business, uh, about, uh, I think it's 16% of their EBITDA, somewhere around 20% of their revenue. So they just, they're going to focus on uh, re re uh, investing, in their, investing in their business, uh, repairing their balance sheet, which is part of this, um, and they cut their dividend to, instead of 7%, you're going to get somewhere around 5% which to me is still a nice healthy dividend uh, and they are going to open themselves up to op to buy, repurchase shares when it dips too low as well. So I always say this and I, I don't think I, my message gets through strong enough is that dividend investing is not about the dividend, it's about the company. 
And so this announcement is sh analysis should be all about does this make the company better? Is this value accretive to the company based on what where they were before the deal? Uh, in our minds, yes. Is it home run, knock, you know, knocking it out of the park? No, but you know it's a nice single, double, uh, smart move by new leadership to kind of unwind, uh, kind of a a so-so move by the previous management. And so that's how you want to think about it. Okay, so don't worry about a small dividend cut. It's not that dramatic. You're still going to get a consistent dividend. And to us, it makes sense from a value perspective for the shareholder. And that's what you should focus on. Let's go to Sunny in San Jose looking at MOSY, which is Moses Inc. Haven't heard of this one. Tell me more about it. Uh, yeah, I have a question regarding this uh, MOS provide. Okay. Um, the question is like, how can a company with a six million float, there can be 91 million trading shares? That was a little kind of weird. I couldn't understand that. Are you talking about the volume? Yeah, the volume on this particularly stock, MOSY. Mm-hmm. I believe they have almost 6 million floating shares. But yesterday yeah, or day before, they started almost 91 million. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, clearly you can have shares trade more than once in a day. I can buy it from you and sell it to somebody else uh, that day, and that's double the, the, the transactions. So... Maybe there's a lot of intraday buying. I'm not sure. You're right. It is kind of puzzling the fact that the float is 5.4 million and the 50 day average volume is 4.3. Almost the entire company turns over every single day. So it's clearly an overvalued company. Um, are they issuing more shares? That's a possibility. It could be selling them in the open, more in the open market. I mean, shares have gone from 1 million shares outstanding in 2018 to 4 million today. And it looks like going higher. Uh, that, that That's a little bit uh, dated, it looks like, because now we're at 6 million shares outstanding. Um, so they're clearly issuing more shares, and maybe that's driving it. They're just out there dumping shares into the open market. Uh, is it okay, or... I mean, and this isn't a company that I, I would want to own. I mean, they, they, they don't make money. They've really never made money. So I, I don't see why anyone would want to own this business. It uh, looks like a terrible business from the, the numbers. So, and they're not growing. They're $17 million in revenue in 2018. Last 12 months, $7 million. And even 2019, pre-pandemic, they're at $10 million. And they've never had positive... Return on assets, uh, margins, cash flow. I mean, it's just a just a complete train wreck of a business. So I don't know why anyone would own this. Thanks for the call. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here each and every weekday, and this help you to achieve your own version of financial freedom. So our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at eight 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 ninety nine chart. And the issue here is that the prices just run away from the fundamentals. Got a question for Steve or Justin? You're the best person to ask it. 888-99-CHART. 
It's an Invest Talk Thursday. Justin Klein is on duty and he's happy to provide unbiased answers, but you've got to call with your questions. Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I wanted to talk about the GEO Group, ticker GEO, because it seems like there's a lot going on with this company right now. And I think that your insight could answer a bunch of questions about investing in general. So, first, they've just suspended their dividend and are reevaluating their status as a REIT. Secondly, they seem to be profitable, but their short interest as a percentage of float is pretty high. I assume this is because of high sentiment for prison reform, but I was wondering how this might affect the stock. And finally, if we do see prison reform, might that actually lead to increases in government spending in this sector to say increase staffing or improve facilities, et cetera? I'd love to know your thoughts. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, it's not about government spending. It's about it's governments giving money to private corporations like GEO to run jail facilities, prison facilities. And that's really the contentious issue. Money will be still spent. You still have to jail the, the, the inmates. But it's just about whether this should be a profitable enterprise. That's really the question. Now, when it comes to GEO... I think it makes a lot of sense. They And this is a great learning lesson about how you don't chase the dividends. If you're looking backwards, they pay a 33% yield. 33%. You think, oh, look at that juicy yield. And even though, and, and like you said, they just suspended their dividend. So it's about focusing on the underlying business and investing in the underlying business. That's what dividend investing is. It's not about the dividend. It's about the business. This is a perfect, perfect example. I love this call. Next, why did they potentially, are they looking to not be a REIT anymore? Well, for everyone out there, it's a real estate investment trust. And real estate investment trusts are basically a pass-through tax entity. So that as long as you pay out a certain number of, a certain percentage of your income, 90%, you don't have to pay taxes on the corporate level. That's what a REIT is designed for. You still pay it, and one of the reasons why you pay your you pay your individual tax rate when you're getting dividends from a REIT is that tax that that pass through entity. And the issue with Geo is that they have a lot of debt, and so they need their net income not to be paid out as a dividend. They need it to delever themselves as they lose government contracts and and basically gets legislated out of business. It's kind of what's happening here. And this is, once again, a perfect example where you have to really understand the business. Don't go chasing yields because if you're chasing yields in the wrong company, that yield can go away very quick. All right, looking at the clock, I think we can fit in one more question that came in earlier. On the Invest Talk Voice Bank at 888 99 Chart. Hey, Steven, Justin, uh, this is Ranbir, a regular listener. Thank you for your show, very informative. I have a question on ticker symbol LIN, L I N. It's an industrial gas supplier, profitable, uh, but it's, it's been profitable for a while. It looks a bit expensive, uh, provides dividend. I'm looking to open a position. Just looking for what, what are your thoughts on Lin Day, L-I-N. Thank you. 
All right, this is Lindy. This is a company out of the UK, and they're the largest industrial gas supplier in the world. They operate in over 100 countries. I love that, that diversity there. $155 billion market cap. Stock trades just shy of $300 per share. About 1.5% dividend yield, which is nice. It looks like they just raised it earlier this year. That's solid. Very solid balance sheets. Minimal debt, which I love. Enterprise value to EBITDA at 19, which is, frankly, it is a bit high. Uh, historically, this trades closer to the low teens than the high teens at enterprise value to EBITDA. And that's why I'd be a little patient on this name. Basically saying closer to 200 is uh, more of a, a fair price than, than 300. And I would have it on my watch list. It's a great company, consistent business with uh, consistent... Uh, return in equity, high return in equity, and the high 20s. Love that. Uh, so, I'm a fan. Keep it on your watch list, but be waiting for a dip. Anything below 250, I'd be interested. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. You can get them for free over at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And as always, investtalk.com and be sure to rate and review. You can browse by topic, whether that's cryptocurrencies, 401k, real estate, treasuries, whatever it is. And you can tell that to your friends and family as well who might be looking for a topic to choose from. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.